0: Alright, today the message is entitled The Benefit Package of Righteousness. Doesn't that sound good? The Benefit Package of Righteousness. And we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 5. And uh, Romans chapter 5 starts out with a phrase in the, the first part. And really this phrase is the basis for what I'm going to cover here in following the message. But it says, Therefore, since you have been justified through faith. We'll just stop there. That's that's really the basis for what everything that I'm going to, to share here today, that's what it's from. Therefore, since you've been justified by faith, and we've been learning about righteousness here in the last number of weeks, the fact that you can't earn righteousness, you can't work your way, and God says, okay, you've toiled long enough, now I give you my righteousness. That's not how it happens. It's a free gift simply because that we believe that Jesus paid the price for us. He lived a sinless life. We didn't. And based on his status, not ours, we believe on his. And God says, if you would believe that, that you would take his status and make it yours, that you would have my righteousness as a gift. Now, what does that give us? It gives us Justification. Essentially what that means is it's just as if we've not, not sinned. Everything that we've done in the past that we knew or didn't know or ashamed of or not ashamed of is just washed away. We're justified before Christ. And as a result of that then I'm going to look at six benefits of this righteousness that we have. Some years ago I was traveling on a plane and I sat beside of a CEO of a medium sized company and he began to talk about his employees and different that we just had a great chat together and i remember one incident he told me about And this was about 10 years ago when the the millennials were getting a hard rap i mean it seemed like the millennial, millennials could do nothing right they were just you know this and that and I, I, I really my observation is that millennials have progressed they've matured uh, to the place that they really you know they're floundering around for a while but they're getting it anyhow this is one of those stories back then when they were still learning he said he had a 28-year-old that he had, uh, was going to interview to be on his executive team. The guy shows up. He comes into the office and says, uh, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, showed up for my interview, and my mother's outside. I'm wondering if she could come into the interview as well. The guy said, the CEO says, I was a bit stunned, but I said, sure, why not bring her in? So brought her in. The mother's there with the interview, and they talk about the job and what it entailed, well, you know what the mother wanted to know? She wanted to know about the benefit package. She wanted to make sure that her son was going to have the best benefit package that he could have. And that was the reason why she came today. Well, today I want to make sure that you understand if you have received Jesus into your life, you have righteousness, but what are the benefits to righteousness? And lots of times we don't get into this level, but we're going to jump in today because we want to make sure that you get that and understand. So number one, benefit number one, it starts at the end of verse one and says this, because we have the righteousness of God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Benefit number one, you have peace with God. Now, this is interesting because as I thought about this, it's not that I have God's peace in my life but also God has peace with me you see it's two ways it's not just one way well we could think well I've got God's peace but he might still be mad at me or he might still be disgusted or just you know disappointed with me that's not the case when we have peace with God it runs both ways we have God's peace and we have peace with him and he has peace with us same way I think that's great And that's the reality of how we should think about it. When we are righteous, then it runs both ways. We have peace with him and he has peace with us. We've thrown up the white flag. We've declared that we're not going to do it our way any longer, that we want God's way. And as a result, number one benefit is that we have peace with God. Now, the thought that I have there for you is that is a fixed position, not a feeling. It's a fixed position, not a feeling. It says you have peace with God. Not that you will get it or you might lose it. See, if your peace is based on a feeling, which a lot of times people think that's the case, then one day you have it and one day you don't. You wake up and you have a bad day and you don't have peace with God. So you think if it's based on a feeling. But when it's based on the truth, you still have God's peace whether you feel or think about it or aware of it or not. It's still there available for you. And we just have to realize that it's there. That's a part of getting this righteousness that he gives to us. It's a fixed position. And it's something that that doesn't move based upon whether we're having a good day or a bad day or things are going right. It is fixed. And therefore, that is a benefit for us. The second benefit in a part of this six-pack is that we have gained access into his grace. We've gained access into his grace. Let me read verse 2 for you where we find this benefit. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now I find that's interesting that in this verse it says we're boasting in the glory of God where previously in chapter 3 the glory of God is what kept us out. In verse 23 of chapter 3, it said that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But in this verse, it says that the glory is actually is what's given us hope. It's bringing us in. Previously, it condemned us, and now it's securing our hope. That's amazing. Something happened. It's because righteousness moved in. We're justified before God, we have His peace. And as a result of that, we have access now into His grace. This is, a, this is a really amazing thought to think about, that we've gained access into His grace. And um, this, um, this access that we have is, uh, is really important to, to realize that uh, as we step into that, that we now have access to something we didn't have before. Like grace was on the other side of the fence. And then when we received righteousness, we stepped over to the other side. And now we're standing in. Like it's up to our elbows in, in grace. Of, of the grace of God. Now, what exactly is the grace of God. Well let me just define it for you real, real simply yet real important. And that is the abiding state of favor with God. That's grace. The abiding state of favor with God. Now the question is do we think that way? That's a benefit from having God's righteousness. That we are, have access to grace which is the abiding favor of God. Now, I want to just point out a couple of things, and that is there's two verbs in this sentence. One is access, and the other in which we now stand. Those are two Greek verbs, and what they are written in is the perfect tense. What does that mean? It means that that which you achieved long ago, you still have present today with you. That's what that means. Perfect tense. That which you received Back long ago, you now are in the present. You have it fully, just like when you received it, you now have it available to you. That's what that means. We have access into in which we now stand. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? To think about this benefit package that God has given us and how valuable it is to us. So number three, then, is one where sometimes we're like, Really? And I say, yes, benefit package. You're like, are you serious? Yeah, hear me out. Before you walk out, hear me out. Number three, our suffering produces the character of Christ. Our suffering produces the character of Christ. It says at the end of of verse three, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. We boast in the fact that we are suffering. I don't know any other religion besides Christianity that actually embraces suffering or trials or hardships because Christianity says when you walk through that hardship, that trial, that challenge, you will be made more like Christ. That's what it says. Where other religions try to, you you know, you have to work your way into pleasing God and sometimes they say you have to suffer in order to please God. That is not Christianity. That is so far from Christianity, that's ridiculous. Some of it say avoid pain at all costs. Run from it and just live you know, the happy life yourself. Focus on yourself. Make everybody else miserable, but focus on yourself. That's kind of, in essence, what that is. But Christianity says that you embrace the suffering. Now, obviously, we don't look for it. But that's a part of life. Things happen. We don't expect. We don't desire. And they're right in front of us. What do we do with that? We, we embrace that trial and say, this trial is going to make me more like Jesus. And that's a benefit. And that's what Jesus did. In fact, that's what the disciples did. After they were, the early church started and they were persecuted for speaking about Jesus. And they were put in jail and they were beaten as a result of just speaking about Jesus. And they came out. They didn't say, my lawyer is going to be on your front steps in the morning. They didn't say, I have my rights in the Constitution. They rejoiced that they were being persecuted because they knew more of Jesus would come out. That's amazing. That's probably very different than oftentimes how our Western Christianity has taught us to embrace sufferings. But this is what the Bible teaches that we embrace it and as a result of embracing it and persevering through. Let me read the whole the whole verse there so you grab the full context. In verse 3, it says, Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us us so when we suffer as a, a believer what happens is that we build this perseverance type of maturity like for instance you that have lived longer than others you would realize that things that bothered you 20 or 30 years ago don't bother you today and it could be the same things occurring but 20 years ago they freaked you out they put fear in your life. You thought you weren't going to make it. You didn't know what was going to happen next. And yet those things, things occur 20 years later. You're like, oh, that's nothing. God's going to take care of that. Oh, that's nothing. God's going to move because you've built perseverance over the years that things that used to bother you don't because you are beginning to think differently and have more faith than you once did when you started. Makes sense, right? That's a benefit. It's wonderful. To get to that place when the same things occur, and that 20 years ago they freaked you out, and today they just fire you up. That's a benefit, and so that's what suffering does in our life when we understand it God's way. And uh, that's that's really a a powerful thing. uh, A thought that I have about that is that um, it brings forth the truth of what you're made of. It brings forth the truth. Of what you're made of. Probably there's nobody in the Bible. uh, There could be a few, but we'll just uh, select one, and that is Job, that had the character of Christ demonstrated in his life. And if you know what happened to Job, he he was tested all in one day. I mean, think about it. His his fields were burned, so his job, his means of living was was taken away. His uh, livestock were stolen. His servants were killed. And the seven kids that were praying together all in one place. All of a sudden died because the roof caved down on them. All in one day. Now, how would you respond to that one? It says, the scripture says that in all of this, when Job, that they cried out, but he did not sin and he worshiped God. Would that be your response? That was Job's response. And then soon after that, his wife came along, saw all that happened. And she said, Job, you would be better off if you've cursed God and died. Job said, stand back, woman. We're not going there because God is the one that has the privilege to give me all this stuff. And God has the privilege to take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What character that Job had in his life. And then his friends came and for the next five months tried to pick him apart saying, the reason this happened to you is you sinned. Job said, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Nothing I've done has disappointed sinned against God. And for five months, they chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And then finally, God showed up. Settled everything. Never did answer Job's question. Just asked him a bunch of questions. And Job settled it and said, you're God and I'm not. The character of God coming... Uh, the, the God, uh, the, the Job's character had God so worked in it that when the trials and tests came... That he only got better not bitter. The fourth one is this. That the, uh, his righteousness <clears throat> is made available at our most ungodly moment. It says in verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Let me read the preceding two verses. And I want to illustrate this rather than explain it to you. Verse 6 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us that while we were sinners, He died for us. Suppose you leave the building today and you drive home and two miles from your home you have a head-on collision. And the injuries that you sustain, you're not going to make it. The other person had injuries as well, but their injuries are not as bad as yours. But there's one important thing that they need. The steering wheel pierced pierce their heart. But your heart is still good, but your other injuries are going to cause you to pass. So the EMT comes up to you and says, this is a situation. You're still barely conscious. The EMT comes up to you and says, this is a situation. You have a good heart, but the rest of you is gone. If the other person needs a heart. Would you be willing to give up your heart for that other person? And you pause and you think and you say, who's driving? Who's driving the other vehicle? And they say, well, it's a guy named Reinhard Bonnke. He was an international evangelist, led millions to Christ. He's, he's, an, he's an incredibly righteous man. He's given over his ministry to the next generation. They're just as fired up as he is. An incredibly, incredibly righteous man. And, and you have the opportunity to prolong his life. You, you say, oh, yes, I'll do that. I, I agree. I'll, I'll give my heart for Rhino Bunky. Scene changed again. And this time, same situation your injuries are, you're not going to make it. You have a good heart. They're, they're, they've got, they, they can have some, you know, they're, they're, they're going to make it. But again, they need, they need a heart and you have a heart to give them. And, and so the EMT comes up and asks the same question. Would you like to give your heart? And, and you say, well, who's driving the other vehicle? And they say, well, it was a, a off-duty police officer. He'd been on the force for 30 years and served the community and a veteran as well. And just a really, really good guy. And uh, you think for a moment and you're like, sure, yeah, I'll do that for a good person. I'd give up my heart for that. Yeah, sure, I'll go ahead. And then the scene changes again. Same accident, same, same scenario, same setting. You got the good heart. They need a heart. Their, their injuries are, are, are not as acute as yours. And you're posed with the same question. Again, would you be willing to give up your heart? And you ask again, who's the other driver? And they said, the EMT said, it's the town drunk. He was drunk again. It was a rap sheet, a mile long, assault charges, arrest charges, been in and out of rehabs. He was just having a bad day again, and he hit you. Would you be willing to give your heart so that he could live? And you respond to the EMT You want my sanctified answer or unsanctified answer? (laughs) Unsanctified, you'd say, let the so-and-so burn. But sanctified, you would go, no. I want to give my heart. He's at his worst. Maybe if I give my heart and he finds out, he might turn his life around. He might get free. He might actually do something with his life. You see, when God met us, we were at our worst. We weren't at our best. If we were at our best, we wouldn't need Him. But we were at our worst. We were at a helpless state, we were at a powerless state. We knew we needed a Savior. And God showed up. Even as we grow in Christ, we oftentimes find Him at our worst, not at our best. And that's when he comes. And that's when he shows up. And so it's important for us to understand that's a benefit. That God meets you when you're at your worst. Not when you're at your best. And he says, now let me take you by the hand. And let's walk through this. And let's journey through whatever we need to do. In order to bless you. And to honor and glorify the Father in heaven. And that's what he does. What a blessing. He says that when you were powerless, I'll show up at the right time and I'll pour out my love on your life. What an amazing God that we serve. So that is the fourth benefit. Let's jump to number five. We are saved from the wrath of God. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from the wrath, from God's wrath through him? There's a phrase that's introduced right here. I just read it for the first time, and it's going to be repeated down through chapter 5 and even into chapter 6. And that phrase is, How much more? That's an incredible phrase. And really, what that phrase is all about is that oftentimes we talk about what we have been granted because of the death of Christ. It's like Jesus died and you were given that. And sometimes we can focus upon the fact of what we received because he died. But the how much more phrase is related to the fact that he's living today. And he's got way much more to give us than in his death. His death was good, but his life is better. How much more because he's living and you're living and his life is living in you that you're going to receive? How much more? Wow, what a benefit. And sometimes we just look at his death and what we got from his death. No, he's alive and we're alive. And he says, how much more do I want to pour out in your life? And sometimes we don't uh, think about that benefit and aware of that how much more. We're no longer enemies with God. We have made peace. We're now friends. And the reality is, though, the wrath of God is still coming upon the ungodly. We learned that in Romans chapter 1. It was made clear that ungodly people will face the wrath of God. That means the, the, the discipline of God. It's not the judgment of God yet. It's the discipline of God. Because he wants them to turn back and receive him before the final separation. He doesn't want that. He's a God of love. And so he comes with his wrath in order for them to turn back. And he's still going to do that today. But you and I have a different perspective. We are prevented from the wrath even though we might be influenced by it. In other words, there's other people receiving God's wrath that might be in our family or might be our friends or might be in the community. And we're affected by that, but we have a different perspective of why it's coming and we pray for them that they might turn. And so we understand that the wrath of God is still coming upon the ungodly, but it's not for the godly. Because we are, that, that's not the purpose of it, even though we could be affected by it. But we have a different perspective. And I remind myself when I get around people that, yeah, all oh, the world's going down, and it's coming apart at the scenes, and the globalists are taking over, and the government's overreaching, and all this stuff. And I say, yeah, but my God still reigns. Jesus is still king. He made this earth, and he's going to wrap it up himself. And it's not going to be because of some nuclear bomb or government or whoever. It's going to be him that does it. And I walk in that confidence and believe that God's in charge of this universe and our ways and we need to stand in it. And that's a benefit for us to live that way. Justification is the freedom from condemnation. Why will we, we not receive the wrath of God? Because we've been justified. That's why we decided to receive this free gift of righteousness because we believe what Jesus did for us. That's a decision we made. We were free to make it or not make it. And we made it. And as a result of us believing, God says, now you are declared righteous. I'm not perfect. I'm still declared righteous. Because it's not my righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness. He said, your status, my status can be yours. And so we're justified. We're not condemned anymore because we've been justified. That's a benefit. That's a blessing to understand and walk in that. And then finally, number five, the, uh, or number six, yeah. Just stick with the program here. Six, we can testify about what the Lord has done. Verse 11, we can also boast a couple of other words that are interchangeable there. We can rejoice. We can have joy. That's another word that equally can be substituted in there. It says that we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. These six benefits of righteousness that we have. That we are then can utilize in our life. We can draw from these benefits. And the last one here is to boast in what the Lord has done. We've already heard two testimonies this morning. Boasting in what the Lord has done. And I expect that to only increase. I mean, God's just waiting for us to begin to think like him and begin to understand in the way that he wants us to understand and to begin to move like him and talk like him and think like him and smell like him and see the manifestations of miracles as he saw. So that's why we're headed. We're headed from glory to glory. What does that mean? It means that we had a former glory, just like things that, that used to upset us or, or almost take us out in faith, a former glory, but then we matured through the, the days and we get to a place of a, another level of glory that the things that used to take us out don't bother us anymore because we persevered and overcome and Christ has been faithful then and he's going to be faithful now and we begin to think that way and we build a bank of faith because we're righteous. And justified before him. And he wants us to use his benefit package. Not wait until we pass over. He wants us to use it now. He wants us to be aware that it's available now. And that's the exciting thing. So my question to you in then this morning is this. That as if you're a believer in Christ today and if you're not a believer in Christ, you can join in. It's very simple. It's just you choose to believe what Christ has done on your behalf and ask him to forgive you of, of, of trying to follow yourself, follow your own ways, or maybe the ways of the world. You do, that's called repentance. And you just, you just say, God, forgive me for following my own ways and myself. And Lord, I want, I want you to come in. In my life. And that's, that's where we gain this righteousness that comes in. And then as a result of that. Immediately this six pack benefit package. Is available for us to begin to use and exercise now. Not, not until we die. And then we'll gain it. No. We have access now. So I'm going to go over these six again. Just a summary. And I want you to think as I do. Maybe which one's you never thought about before or maybe you're missing in other words maybe you thought about one or two but God wants you to walk out of here with a full benefit package and begin to utilize that in your life so the first one is this do you have peace with God do you realize he has peace with you not just I have God's peace but do you realize he's at peace with you because you've received Jesus that's really good Number two, are you utilizing the access that you have to stand in grace? That is the abiding favor of God. Stand in grace up to your elbows. You prophetic people are thinking, why does he say elbows? It's just an expression. Uh, just an expression. Are you utilizing that benefit? You might be in a tough situation, but God's grace is greater. His grace. He says, "You can stand in grace. Wherever your feet's planted, the grace is flowing. Favor of God. How are we going to get through this, God?" And He says, "I'll take you through." Number three, suffering. Suffering is necessary to develop Christ-like character within you. Suffering's not something you need to ask for. It's just going to come. It's just going to be there. It's just going to happen. We live in a world that's opposed to Christ. But God's people are more and more filling the world. And one day it's going to be a tipping point. Where there's going to be more Christians in the world than there are non-Christians. Jesus is coming back for a glorious bride. Not one that's on life support. The fourth benefit is... That he called you at your worst moment, not your best. So don't think you're better than others. He called you at your worst, not your best. Don't think you're better than others. Number five, the world will receive God's wrath, but it's not intended for us. We have a different perspective. And finally, the sixth benefit is that we gain access to righteousness by his death. How much more we're going to gain because he lives. Because he lives. Yeah. Which one of the benefits are you missing? Which one of the benefits are you not accessing? What a great God we have. What an amazing salvation that he's given us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to walk in to not just say that we have righteousness, but to understand what it means. And each one of these benefits that you had the Apostle Paul under the power of the Holy Spirit write to the Roman church is still relevant and powerful and meaningful for us today in our western culture here in the United States in 2023 it's just as real it's just as available it's just as powerful it's just as meaningful today as it was when it was first penned and we thank you God that you didn't give us something without showing us what it means so Father I pray That those listening and receiving. Not only in this room but online. God I pray that we would. Understand that you would desire us. To draw from. Full. Benefit package that you offer. And not just partial. God thank you for. Sending Jesus. To example this for us. So that we could walk in to bore the fullness that you have for us in this day and time in which we live maybe you're here this morning and you realize that you've not received Jesus or asked Jesus into your life because if you've not asked Jesus in the benefit package is not available to you but when you do it's all ready and waiting but it's based upon one thing believing and receiving Jesus and I want to give you an opportunity this morning to say I'm choosing to believe on what Jesus has done for me this morning I'm choosing to receive his righteousness I'm choosing to desire to enter into this full benefit package I'm just going to ask you to do one simple thing and that is to raise your hand to say I want Jesus. I want him into my life. Anybody here this morning? Says I'm ready to receive the righteousness of Jesus by believing. Thank you Father. Anybody else? Thank you Lord. Father thank you again God for making it so simple. Almost too simple that we trip ourselves up. And I pray God that you would Now, just begin to move upon all of us to receive the fullness of what you have for us through the benefits that you've given in Jesus' name. Amen.